0: To find out more about transferring to
1: William Peace University, visit peace.edu. Our job here every day is to entertain you. That's it. That is the mission. For three hours a day, my job is to make your commute, your drive around town, your errand running enjoyable. Some days are more enjoyable than others. But every once in a while, it's about informing. And we hate informing you of bad news. And Walter Davis passed away today. Actually, I'm not sure when. It might have been last night. We got the news, and the University of North Carolina has sent out a release. One of the best scores, best p- pure shooters in North Carolina basketball history. A member of the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. He's from Pineville, North Carolina, which is... I think just south of Charlotte. Two-time All-ACC honoree. Led the Tar Heels to an ACC tournament title and an appearance in the 1977 NCAA championship game. He was a 1978 rookie of the year in the NBA and one of the smoothest players you'd ever see. He passed away at the age of 69. We've already been talking about the passing of Bobby Knight. So it has been... A rough day of condolences, especially here. Uh, Mike DiCorsi of the Sporting News, my friend, who uh, I always like to point out some things and some perspectives that a lot of people don't have. And Mike's piece about the passing of Bob Knight on SportingNews.com is an absolute must-read because it is all through the experiences of Dane Fife, who played for Coach Knight in Indiana and then, for Mike Davis after Bob Knight was relieved of his coaching duties. Uh, and Mike joins us on the Adam Gold Show. I thought the piece was great. Uh, it'd be great. It'd be very easy to just talk about what it was like to cover Bob Knight. Uh, and you didn't do that. You let you let somebody who played for him explain the complexities, I guess, of Bob Knight. So, you're, first of all, the piece was great. I want people to go check it out. Uh, and uh, tell me what it was like from your perspective to cover coach and you know be on the periphery of that.
0: Yeah, I think periphery is a good word because I was uh for most of his for most of his uh, uh great accomplishment, I was I a- either a kid or a young journalist uh covering high school sports still in college, something like that. I was in college in 81 when they won wanted- it. Uh, I was uh, I was uh, still covering high schools and went as a fan in '87 in uh, in New Orleans and I, I wrote about that uh, when we went back to New Orleans in 2022 and, and went up to basically to where the seats were and one of the things I remember best about Adam about that night about that weekend was I, I if you if you watched Indiana basketball in those days for whatever reason it, it, assembly hall and I've been there many times is a very uncommonly designed basketball arena it, it, there's nowhere like it and one of the things they didn't take into account when they were building it was oh yeah these games are going to be on tv <laughs> but, so they didn't put a place in for cameras right and and so at the time in the 80s if you watched an indiana basketball game in assembly hall the the camera was almost at the eye level of the players. Right. So everything was a mash, and then the ball would go in. I mean, you couldn't see anything. <laughs> so I really didn't understand Indiana basketball until I spent that weekend in the upper deck at New Orleans. And then you, it was all played out in front of you, and you could see it happening. And I remember distinctly Steve Isle, a player who probably wouldn't have played at just about, he wouldn't have been a regular at any other top 25, top 50 program. He was big, he listened to coach, and he set screens. And he rebounded occasionally, but not like he was Dennis Rodman. And so, but he was an amazing screen setter. And I still remember, you would see Steve, Steve Alford on one wing, uh, and then Steve Al- Al- Iowa was on the other wing. And Alford would run from one side to down the baseline, pick up a baseline screen from someone like Daryl Thomas, and then he'd run up to the opposite wing, and there would be Steve Iowa, and he'd curl behind that wing, and he'd catch a pass from Keith Smart, and he'd throw in a three. He was a 50-plus percent three-point shooter that year. It worked so often they scored 90-plus points against UNLV in the Mm -hmm. national semifinals. And and you could see how it all worked from that angle, and it's one of my best memories of, of Coach Knight. Got some you know, some less best memories. Sure. Uh, I, I, I in 1995 I was president of the United States Basketball Writers Association. So this is only eight years after I sat up in the upper mm-hmm. deck uh, uh, as a fan, and I was asked to present. I was asked to present Bob Hamill, the sports editor uh, of the Bloomington Indiana newspaper, who was uh, close to night. Uh, and was a phenomenal writer. It, 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 circulation for the Bloomington paper was something like 25 or 30,000. Right. And I remember he won, Bob Hamill won an award for for uh, writing from the USBWA BWA in the 88 Final Four. And I'm like, from Bloomington? <laughs> and then I read the piece. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's that good. Right. So, uh, so I was asked to present him for the Kurt Gowdy Award, the best, the biggest award a basketball wow. journalist can receive at the at the Naismith Hall of Fame. Except Coach Knight decided he wanted to present him after I booked my plane ticket and hotel and all that stuff. So the hall said to me, would you mind, you can step up and speak and talk about what Bob meant as a writer and to the USBWA, et cetera, and then you can introduce Coach Knight. And I said, "Okay, I'll do that." Well, our, years earlier, I had written an article, and this this—you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, I was at the uh, the five star basketball camp in 1987, so a year after Len Bias had passed away oh, from gosh. cocaine overdose, and Bob was lecturing the top prospects at the five star camp at around lunchtime, and he wanted that, to send a strong anti drug message. And one of the phrases he used was, he said, Len Bias thought he was cool doing what he did. Well, he's so cool, he's cold. And I had written the article to set all that up and talk about what an important message he was sending. And I, and, and I didn't even use the quote until about a third of way through the article. Well, the wire services weren't having any of that context stuff. Right. They saw it as another opportunity to show what a bore Coach Knight could be so I thought okay so in that I never wrote to him and told him the story because back then you couldn't just email
1: right (laughs) yeah
0: you had to to put a stamp on a letter Wow. so I mean I wasn't doing that uh so I thought okay so in, in by way of introduction of Coach Knight I'll tell that story and I thought that was the perfect way to do it and so I told the story and I said you know you know, uh, for one of a better introduction, Coach Knight, you know, I'd like to apologize for how that all turned out. I didn't, you know, it wasn't what I intended. And so instead of graciously coming up and saying, thank you, Mike, and then starting to talk about Bob, he got up there and he looked over at me and he said, that's okay, Mike, if you people had to spend, uh, had to apologize for all of the mistakes you make, you'd never have any time to do your job. (laughs) And the entire room broke into pieces except maybe me and a couple of people sitting close to me. So that was Coach Knight. You know, he couldn't resist the chance to take the dig, even though my intention in the beginning was to be, you know, to sort of olive branch the whole thing. So he he was a brilliant coach, but he had that side to him where he just had to, you know, he had to take the shot if he could take it.
1: Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News is joining us here. We talked to Jay Billis earlier. Um, and there's there is that there's the positive, the the larger than life, uh, you know, arguably Mount Rushmore ish figure in the sport of college basketball that Bob Knight is or was. Uh and then there are those elements what he said to Jeremy Schapp in that ESPN interview uh, after his, I think, the firing from Texas Tech. It might have been that one or Indiana where he says, you have a long way to go to be as good as your dad. Um, we, we have all of those moments. We have what he said to Connie Chung on 60 Minutes, which is a regrettable. I'm not even going to uh, to mention it here because it's, it's gross. Uh, Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90%, give the money, and then we meet every year to, and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a Pete's spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. He is such a complicated figure. From, from, and he definitely was disdainful of the media, even as he became a member of the media later on in his career, which is not uncommon, unfortunately. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just the reality. These guys hate the media and then they become it and then they under, uh, maybe they understand, maybe they don't. Um, How do you balance the two? And I know, just to get back to your piece, Dane Fife, he understood all of the people that didn't, uh, that, that couldn't balance those things out but for Fife it was good for what he needed how do you balance out the good and the bad of coach Knight well I think
0: that it it starts I I think that the if you're if you had a scale like the scales of justice or whatever I mean the thing would tilt over on the good side uh, it it really would I mean he did so much good for so many people and a lot of it he didn't try to get credit for Uh, but if you ask the people who played for him uh, that you know they would they would they would go to the absolute wall for him nearly nearly without exception. I'm sure. Obviously, the players who transferred out were not fans, um, but the players who played for him a, and stayed with it. I mean, they they viewed it as uh, uh, an absolute fraternity, and they they adored him. I remember attending uh, uh, an anniversary celebration. I think of the '81 championship team at Assembly Hall and. And how how reverently the players on that team talked about him on that evening it, it, he just there and it, it and it extends obviously well beyond that um, if you were one of the people on the opposite side and you chose to look at the at how he treated you as the definition of Bob Knight, I think that's your right right I, I think it's absolutely your right because here's the thing honestly adam i, I my, one of my, one of my philosophies of life is that it is so much easier to be nice than it is to not be nice. It takes more work to not be nice. So on those occasions, when Bob was not nice, he was putting in the work. I mean, it, 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 it he, he really wanted to, it, these weren't always just, you wrote something that made me angry kind of things.
1: Right.
0: These were, these were things that he would on occasion go out of his way to be unpleasant. And so it could he could easily have been uh you know a, a someone who had almost nothing on the other opposite side of that justice scale he could have had almost nothing everybody has something i mean no one's perfect obviously uh, but he could have had almost nothing over there and he chose to keep stacking stuff over there to see if he could pick the uh the scale up off its side i don't know why i'll never understand why i interviewed him 2009 and I don't know whether we got into that. I don't think we did. I think we kept it more basketball-oriented. Right. But I, it's a shame that he didn't recognize that. Uh, look, I, I've known Mike sheshevsky now for nearly a quarter century. Right. And Mike could be that guy if he wanted to be. He's got 1,200 wins and five <laughs> NCAA championships. And he's got all the money he could ever need. He could burn dollar bills from now until uh, the twenty. 20- Second century, and he wouldn't run out. He could be that person, but he's not. He right. chooses not to be that person. He chooses to be. That's that's my point. Bob could have chosen that direction. He chose not to, except when it suited. You know, when he wanted to be kind, he could be kind.
1: Uh, let me. I want to uh, change gears and ask you about one uh, one other pressing issue. Mike decourcy of the Sporting News is here. Um, it's interesting. Maybe the best lesson that Bob Knight taught Mike Krzyzewski was not to do. Uh, I think we've all got these in our past, you know, I will not do some people have it father to son. I will not be that father because I didn't appreciate that. I think we have that going down from generation to generation. Maybe that's what coach K learned most from Bob Knight was how not to act. Um, Jim Harbaugh, you, you also work with the Big Ten Network. Uh, so let me ask you about Jim Harbaugh. I know the, uh, the coaches not named Jim Harbaugh across the league met with Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the league, yesterday, and they are imploring him to do something and do it now. What could, what will Tony Petiti do?
0: Well, you know, first of all, I would say that in my view, this is not about Jim Harbaugh centrally. This is about Michigan football. And I'm not, in saying that, I'm not excusing him, I'm saying that the first priority is not to punish the coach, but to assure that the competitive competitive integrity of this season is honored. And so whatever that investigation develops, if it develops that Michigan was advantaged in some way at some point in this season, then I think it needs to be disadvantaged at some point. And whether that means removing a coach or coaches from the sidelines so that they are disadvantaged, that would be one option. A much more severe option, depending on the level of advantage gained, would be to say, you got too much advantage, so your record is not legitimate, and perhaps you shouldn't be participating in our postseason this year. Mm-hmm. So those are the, that's the wide variance of things that could be done but I don't look at this first and foremost as a Jim Harbaugh issue because I because the nature of the offense that's been alleged goes to the integrity of the games that have been played and the integrity of the season that is ongoing and that's my foremost concern in this As they investigate this, if they if they determine that an advantage was gained, that that's what needs to be addressed.
1: I feel like I'm pretty level headed and we'll let you go here. But I feel like I'm fairly level headed about these things. I can't for the not for a single second remove Jim Harbaugh from the equation. Uh, He may claim to have no knowledge of what happened. I don't believe him. Um, And nobody I don't think anybody should believe him. Because it's, to me, illogical that he would have no yes. knowledge for something that happened. I'm not, ar- allegedly. again, I'm not
0: excusing it. Right, no, I, I, I understand I, I, that. So if indeed what is has been alleged is established, that, then what occurred occurred on his sideline. So I'm not excusing him from blame. I'm saying that, that you can't just say, well, if we punish Jim Harbaugh, then we've taken care of the issue. Oh, I agree. Because it's still first and foremost about the integrity of the 2023 college football season.
1: Yeah, and maybe 2022 as well in 2021, because this has gone on apparently for the last three years. Uh, I don't think Tony Petiti will remove Michigan from the postseason, but I think his coaches want him to, uh, but it means money. And if Michigan is the best team, hard to take your best team out of the equation – when it does mean money. Here's the thing. I don't believe Jim Harbaugh will ever pay the price because I think Jim Harbaugh will be coaching in the National Football League next year unless the NFL holds it it against him, and I don't think they will because they probably shouldn't because he's a heck of a football coach. Mike DeCoursey, you are a heck of a human being. I appreciate your time, man. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Adam, thank you, and and allow me to express my condolences for the Davis family. I grew up watching those Carolina teams, loved Phil Ford, Tommy Lagarde, uh, Walt, Walter Davis. Uh, those were wonderful teams. Mitch Kupchak. Uh, I remember them fondly, and am heartbroken to hear that that Walter has passed.
1: I mean, just a crusher, an absolute crusher. And I feel bad for Hubert and his family as well. Their season starts on Monday. We'll talk basketball next time we chat. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Thank De- you, Mike DiCorsi of the Sporting News here. Can score with the Jim Allen Group at the jagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.